Hey, what's going on? This is the Saturday Down South podcast presented to you by Texas Pete. I'm Connor O'Gara. Will, have you entered the portal yet? Um, I wish I could. I just, I wonder like where the portal would take me. I think life is just really an individualized portal. It's a good way of putting it. You know, look, you just don't know what's going to come out the other end. And for a lot of these guys that are in the portal, you're kind of like, okay, I have no idea if you're going to be like power five guy. If you're just like, you were a power five guy. Now you're going down to an FCS program. I have no idea. No idea. So that's a good answer. I like that. Portal is bananas right now. Absolutely bananas. We've got a great show coming up. Jacob Hester, he's going to join us for some Jaden Daniels perspective, bit of Cody trader love, just kind of about evaluating running backs, evaluating running backs as a whole and kind of what that process has become and where we miss on with that. And then some other things that we'll get to with him, of course. But first, the Heisman Trophy and the transfer portal and what's happening at the quarterback position right now. If you've been paying attention to this, they're kind of two of the same and they're related. So this is going to be a little bit intertwined, a little bit Heisman, a little bit portal related. And I promise I have a point here. I will make a bold prediction that the winner of the Heisman trophy will be a former transfer. I Hmm. think that's pretty, pretty set in stone. If Marvin Harrison jr. Was the Heisman trophy, uh, you'll be able to knock me over with a feather. Don't mean to to hate on him, even though he didn't have the best season among receivers, as we've documented very many times. The Heisman Trophy winner will either be Jane Daniels, Bonix, Michael Penix Jr., all of whom are former transfers. I think Jaden has it locked up, if I'm guessing. I think he locked it up on Friday night when the clock hit zero in the Pac-12 championship, and Bonix was on the wrong end of another game against Washington. And yes, I am fully ready for there to be at least some people when Jaden Daniels wins the Heisman Trophy, as I'm predicting, that there will be people who say, oh, but he has three losses. And we can just laugh at all those takes. It's not worth getting into an argument back and forth. Those people are too far gone. There's not really any arguing with them. Um, I'll cackle. I probably will. I'm not much of a cackler, but I, every once in a while, well, I think you've heard me cackle uh, here and there. Yep. Uh, you know, it just happens. The Heisman Trophy winner will be a former transfer. That is now the new norm in this sport as it relates to the quarterback position. Think about this, Will. In the last seven years, if we're including this one, we'll go back each each year. 2023, transfer, going to win the Heisman. 2022, Caleb Williams, transfer. 2021, Bryce Young, not a transfer. 2020, Devontae Smith, not a transfer. 2019, Joe Burrow, very much a transfer. 2018, Kyler Murray, transfer. 2017, Baker Mayfield, transfer. Five of the last seven winners of the most prestigious honor in college football went to quarterbacks who transferred. This is the new age. This is the direction the sport isn't just heading in. It's the direction the sport has been in for the better part of a decade. Soon, I believe that you will be able to look at the 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL, and you will see in time, the majority of them will be transfers. I think that's happening in the next few years. That number is at 12 right now. I think it was at 12 last year too. And I always like to look at that late in season just to see kind of what Mm -hmm. that breakdown is, but it'll be 17 soon, like 17 and 32 QB ones in the NFL will be former transfers right now. You can look at the, the college game and see that among the top 20 guys in the country quarterback rating, the majority of those guys, 11 of them are former transfers. When week one of next season rolls around, 
And we're looking at the Power Four conferences. Yes, it's going to be Power Four. That's going to take some adjusting from yours truly to be able to say Power Four and not Power Five. But when Man, we get to the end of an era in every way, yeah. I, I like the amount of times that I've said or written Power Five in the last, I don't know, time that I've been doing this job. So many. If I have to like do the control replace thing with power and make, make it power four, um, if I only have to do that like 10 times, that'll be a win. It take the over on that. Definitely over will hit for sure. But it's going to be the majority of power four quarterbacks who are starting week one, I bet, will be former transfers. The quarterback market for transfers, it is popping because it should be popping. Okay. That's that's pretty obvious to me. This isn't going to be some rant about how free agency is killing the sport. I won't tell you, fan who is listening to this at home, that you have to like every element of the transfer portal. I'm not doing that. But I will tell you, adapt or die. Mm-hmm. 100%. I put together a list of 10 quarterbacks in the portal. At the time, they were in the portal. A couple of them have since left the portal, I believe. And with my favorite fits for each guy. And that process was hard really really hard and it was hard because i had to narrow it down to the 10 best transfer portal quarterbacks or 10 most noteworthy and who knows by the time that we're finished recording it's probably going to be another noteworthy one who has already hopped in the list that i came up with was dylan gabriel will howard will rogers brock vandegriff tyler van dyke kyle kyle mccord riley leonard cam ward dj uyunglele still pronouncing that correctly and dante Mm -hmm. moore so as I was filling that list out, it was harder for me to figure out which teams weren't in the market for a quarterback than finding the ones who were. That's telling. That's really telling. Because guys are they're, they're leaving more than ever with you know coaching changes, both at head coach, OC. Guys can leave after sort of an underwhelming showing as a starter, a la Kyle McCord a bit. Or if you have somebody that's leaving for the NFL draft, yeah. Chances are you're in the market for a transfer portal quarterback. That is kind of why this market looks like what it does. And my point with all this is relates to the Heisman. These three Heisman finalists are the perfect examples of why you have to at least be open to the process. And you can't tell yourself, ah, you know what? You got to go the high school route every single time. All three of these guys, they started at least three seasons And if you would ask me to give a breakdown of each of them at the time that they hit the portal or when we're putting together these lists of the best quarterbacks in the portal, and if you would ask me to give like some sort of a a, a breakdown of who they are, the players that they were, and maybe the players that they'd become, I probably would have mapped out their flaws before their strengths. Yes. I I think I'm pretty positive. Overall, I try to be pretty positive. And I still would have been like, "Eh, you know what? That's probably why they're in the portal. And instead, all three of those guys, Michael Penix Jr., Bo Nix, and Jaden Daniels, they all went to such ideal situations to maximize their skill sets. In a weird way, I actually love that both Bo Nix and Jaden Daniels will be in New York because I think if Jaden had kind of been the same guy that he was at Arizona State, or even if he was just the same guy that he was last year at LSU, we'd be saying with Bo... Well, you know what? Eh, he went to the Pac-12. He faced easier competition. Just kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it would almost lessen the season that he's had. And to me, I don't think you can make that case just strictly based on competition. Not anymore. And mm-hmm. Penix, I watched it in Indiana and I thought to myself, 
man, I don't think this guy is ever going to be able to stay healthy. And even if he is, I just don't quite get the fascination with him. And I remember talking to my buddy, Zach Osterman, who covers IU for the Indy Star. And I kept telling him that he was crazy to be so optimistic about Penix and his upside because I just didn't think that the juice was worth the squeeze for a guy that got hurt as much as he did. And God, was I wrong about that. Hmm. Way, way wrong. Bo Nix, who did not have an opinion about Bo Nix when he left Auburn? Everybody knew who who Bo Nix was and in a best-case scenario, the things that he could do, right? Oh, throw picks. Right. Look. I know it's the it's the the tweet is the joke. You know this is this is the year. He's Heisman's coming. Like he's having fun. Yeah, he's having fun. That was that was the most tongue in cheek, like unrealistic expectation of a player that, in many ways, kind of encapsulates though why you just can't slam the door shut on some of these guys. Like he he has become that guy that like turned that into a joke. So many people, myself included, said he's too far gone. He's got too many bad habits that he developed after being thrust into a very pressure-packed role as a starter, as a true freshman, with all the expectations, the legacy stuff, all that. And Jaden, when that move happened, I was like, eh, I still like Miles Brennan to run the LSU offense over this guy, over this guy who Arizona State just said, basically, don't let the door hit you on the way out. So I And I think it's okay to have those opinions at times. I don't think it's realistic to expect the types of seasons that those three guys have had. But it's a reminder that we don't always have these guys figured out. Sometimes, I think just in life, you need a fresh start. You just need a fresh start to become the best version of yourself. You can apply that to a job. You can apply that to a relationship. You can apply that to just living in a city. Whatever you want. It doesn't mean that a change of scenery is always the right move. The same could be said of the portal. Guys like Spencer Sanders and Devin Leary didn't exactly help themselves with their portal moves, albeit for different reasons. But Kentucky and Ole Miss, they kind of feel like programs who are going to have a portal starter almost every year from now on. Like that's that's just kind of the way that that it's gone for them. And for Kentucky, you might say, and I know there are plenty of Kentucky fans who are wondering this, Hey, why swing for another portal guy when, you know, year two of Will Levis was disappointing and Devin Leary didn't work out? Like, why are we doing this? I would say don't present a problem without providing a solution. Mm -hmm. If the solution is to go with the new starter who you've had in your offense, your system, your program for a year or two, but he doesn't have any legitimate live reps, sorry, but that is a whole lot riskier than going with someone that you can actually scout in the portal. Because now it's no longer as simple as saying, well, if he's in the portal, it must mean he's not very good. That's gone. That's that's out. Kentucky <laughs> had two quarterbacks. That was a thing people said uh, like for a long time, which is very funny. Uh, shout out, who is our boy? Uh, Jeremiah Masoli, Ole Miss portal legend. That was yeah. like the, that era. There And there's a lot of those guys. There, look... And I, I'm not saying, like, you know, there's there's the Chad Kelly situation where obviously, like, you know, discipline issues at Clemson and then he gets in the portal, Cam Newton. Like, there have been plenty of guys in the history of college football in which you said, okay, who is damaged goods because of who they are as a player and who is somebody that's worth taking a risk on? And those lines are 
blurred more than ever in terms of why a guy is in there. And maybe he just didn't hit it off with his head coach. Maybe they didn't have the NIL package that he was looking for. Maybe he just saw a coordinator at a different school and saw a path to playing and said, I'm going to enter the portal. I like that situation better than the one that I'm currently in. And I don't have to sit out. That's a huge part of why this has all changed. But I look at this situation at Kentucky. They had two quarterbacks that hit the portal because they knew what was coming. Brock Vandegrift coming to Lexington. Just made that announcement a few hours before we hopped on this show. On this show. That is a move that fascinates me on a variety of levels. I think he is Southern Will Levis, trademark pending. Um, and I mean that in a complimentary way, not like a negative, like the player he became. I'm not saying he's going to start eating bananas with the peel on and putting coffee, <laughs> putting mayo in his coffee and doing that crap. But I... I think that there is a, a fascination with Vandegrift that the Georgia fans have, that Kentucky fans now have, that a lot of people in college football will have. And so we'll we'll dig into that probably at a different time. But those two quarterbacks who hit the portal for Kentucky in anticipation of this move, that Kentucky would say, we want to go to the portal to get our next starter. Kaya Sharon, Destin Wade, both former mm-hmm. high school recruits that Kentucky had in that quarterback room enter the portal. Nick Roush wrote for KSR that Wade's dad said, hey, they didn't keep their promises. He was frustrated that his son only got to play in that bowl game against Iowa last year as a true freshman and that he never got back in for meaningful reps, even though Liam Cohen reportedly told Wade's dad that his son was, quote, too good of an athlete to keep on the bench and that he would have been just as good as Leary. And that was the frustration that Destin Wade's dad had. That's Hindsight. the worst thing you could tell somebody, by the way, is like, actually, the guy's not that much better than you. I, I don't know. I, I can't tell you what we're playing him. It's like, you almost need to be like, come on, bro. He's a fifth year senior. Like, come on, ACC player of the year. Like, give it a year. Like, not, you're about to play. Just hang in there. Well, yeah. And, and I get it because, you know, these these teams want to have depth. I, I, I understand it from, from that standpoint. Hindsight says, sure, may, maybe as a redshirt freshman, Destin Wade could have done a lot of the things or maybe even more than what Devin Leary did in a disappointing season at Kentucky. Um, if Destin Wade's dad has the unbiased opinion, of course, that his son as a redshirt freshman was obviously going to be better than the preseason ACC player of the year from a year earlier. Sure. I guess then he deserved an opportunity to play, but with the investment that Kentucky made to Leary, that guy wasn't getting benched. It, it just, sorry that, that, that is also mm-hmm. the new reality of some of these situations. Here's the other thing, uh, and I'm not trying to defend lying to someone if the entire – Connor Guerra. Uh, yeah, I'm mostly anti-lie. Um, every once in a while, I got to tell a little white lie. But, you know, look, I, I understand the dynamics here and the way that this works. If you're a high school recruit who signs with a team, know that you might never really get a favorable chance to become a starter. And if you do – your entire opportunity moving forward might come down to doing something next to impossible, like move the ball against that elite Iowa defense before you're ready. Okay? that's I, That sucks. That's reality. Brock Vandegrift, ironically enough, is the perfect example of that. He is. He's a five-star guy who spent three seasons on Georgia's bench. Uh, on Georgia's bench. He is not a bust. We haven't seen enough from Brock Vandegrift to say definitively, this guy can't live up to the hype. He just wasn't as good as the other guy who sat 
three years on Georgia's bench who finally got a chance to play. Vandegrift yeah. has not really gotten those meaningful live reps, but he is a darn intriguing prospect because his unknown is more intriguing than the unknown of Destin Wade. And if Kentucky could go back in time and get Brock Vandegrift as a recruit versus Destin Wade, sorry, you know who they're taking 10 times out of 10. He's a year older. He's built like a friggin' tank. He's got a cannon for an arm. He spent three years practicing against that Georgia defense. He spent two years working with one of the best offensive minds on the planet right now and Todd Munkin. That wasn't a Bobo dig. It wasn't a Bobo dig. Trust me. And there was never anything to suggest this guy was overrated as a recruit. Okay. And if you want to base that on a few spring game results, all right, fine. I don't know that that's some definitive take that you could have about Brock Vandegrift at this point. So that's why you roll the dice. That is why. It begs the question, if you're a high school quarterback, what do you do? That, what do you do? We're going to be talking about some of these guys in a few weeks and these early enrollees and whatnot. And I mean, I, look, I will continue to say that I've never been less interested in verbal commitments from blue chip quarterback recruits. And even when they yep. sign on the dotted line, they get to campus, they play in the spring game, they make a nice throw that his fan base is salivating for the future. Ask yourself this. Is that guy going to be our guy? The answer is probably not. That that sounds pessimistic. It is reality. It just is. If I am a high school recruit, yes, I want to compete. Okay. You're not going to go anywhere. Like not all these guys are going to be able to go to situations where it's a Jaden Rashada, Arizona state deal. And you're going to get to play from the job. That's just not realistic. Those opportunities don't exist. And if they do exist, ask yourself why they do exist. Jaden Rashad, that whole Arizona state quarterback situation is so funny. I like sent you the picture of like all these quarterbacks wearing number five. Like I want to go talk to their NIL guy. It's like you had Jaden Daniels, Emory Jones, and then Jaden Rashad. How, what were those trans, what were those conversations like that you ended up with each of those guys? Anyway, it's very interesting. It, it really is. And you, you think you can map out how your quarterback situation is going to look this year. And then, oh, it projects to look this, this way next year. And then all those players just get blown up in smoke. They, they just do. It happens all the time. Mm -hmm. So here's how I'd approach this. If I'm a high school quarterback recruit, which I'm very much not. But if a coach tells me a line about playing time, just ignore it. Just ignore it. You could say that it's a lie. Just know that it's BS. It's 100% BS. If I'm a true freshman quarterback, I'm not going into that, that, that entire season assuming that I'm going to take my red shirt and then, you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on to the next year. I'm going to be able to put on weight. I am preparing, and this is cliche, but you'd be amazed the amount of guys who don't probably have this approach. I would prepare every single week like I am going to be the starter because if I get my opportunity and don't look the part, that could be the unfair difference between having a true path to the starting job or getting a transfer QB recruited above me. That sucks. This is reality. These coaches recognize how valuable that can be. It can change the entire trajectory of your team and your job as a whole. And you have to make that move now, not in the spring, as I continue to say. And that's why these guys are hopping in the portal and people are saying bowl games are meaningless and blah, blah, blah. And I get it. And even when Kyle McCord is hopping in the portal as he's about to supposed to play in a New Year's Six game and instead it's like, well, why are you, why are you doing this now? It's like, well, if I'm Kyle McCord and there's two places that I want to go and one of those places 
picks another quarterback in the portal mm-hmm. because that guy entered early. I'm like, well, crap. I just ruined one of my options because I was sitting here pussyfooting about whether or not I wanted to enter the portal and play in a bowl game. So I won't fault kids for doing that, as frustrating as that is. These guys might benefit from fresh starts, but they need reps. They need to be able to get that time. Another thing with these three Heisman finalists, Penix. Wait, hold on. Before you say that, I will say, I think as you were saying that, I'm like, okay, how would I handle this situation? Because like you said, got to provide a solution. I honestly think the best move is just go to like Bama or Ohio State or Georgia or wherever. And then if you sit on the bench, you could you could be Brock Vandegrift. You don't have to play. And you could go wherever you want. So your options are you either become the starter at one of the best programs in America or you don't play at all, and then you're Joe Burrow. Not exactly, you know what I'm saying? But Joe Burrow wasn't very good the first year. He was solid, you know? But it's like, it's the classic, like, family guy bit that's like, okay, box one is the keys to a boat. And then box two is like a mystery box. It's like, that could be anything we want, even a boat. It's like, that's what that's what Brock Vandegrift is right now. It's like, we have no idea what he could be, but Georgia liked him, Kirby liked him. And so I actually think that, actually, that could move quarterback talent to the top because you go – even if you're just a guy who was in Nick Saban's system for three years, even if you're just a guy who was in Kirby Smart system for two or three years, a you know Purdue or a Louisville or a Kentucky, be like, yo, let's get him out here. He could be our guy. The one thing I would push back on with that, because I agree, I, I think there's there's something to be said for that, is you also have to assume that they want you, and mm-hmm. a lot of these guys, as it gets down the stretch, if you're like a quarterback who's sitting there like teetering between three star and four star and and this team that that offered you six months ago hasn't given you a call in three weeks and they haven't returned your call a la dan mullen matt corral that's not the first reference to those two uh in a bit that we'll get to uh you're you're like okay they don't, they don't really want me and i'm doomed yep. if i step on campus and sign on the dotted line so there is some pushback to it but i agree with you're you. right I think I'm thinking as like a four, like a high four, low five star, but you're exactly right. Because then if you're that three, four star, you probably need to do the opposite because the odds of you beating all those five stars is pretty low. Not to say, because at the end of the day, you, you know how it goes, right? It's like uh, JT Daniels. It was always, oh, he's got a, he's a five star. He's got a big arm. Let's try him out. And so those guys will always get an extra chance. I mean, it honestly took Stetson a, a long time to beat him out, despite Stetson pretty much being the better player the whole time at that point, at that point that he was playing. So, yeah, you're you're right. I think that if you're a lower recruit, probably go to a smaller program because you have a shot, whereas fans are going to be going, why in the five-star playing every time you struggle? So that, that's, a, that's a good little exercise. It's a lot of ways to look at it. It's a mm-hmm. minefield, man. It is an absolute minefield. It really is. In, and self-awareness is the most important thing, I think, of all of it right now. If I'm going into this process, either as a high school recruit or as a quarterback recruit who just hasn't gotten that opportunity to play, I'm like, I'm going into my year three. I need to figure out what exactly is next because I'm running out of eligibility and you got to figure that out. So another thing that that Penix and Knicks and Daniels, all these guys did that I think is really interesting, in addition to saying like, OK, obviously, we're not ready for the NFL. We're going to hit the portal. They all went to places and then said, I'm going to come back for another year in this system. Mm-hmm. Huge. Absolutely huge. If you can get a transfer quarterback that's got multiple years of eligibility, that's another big win for you. It really was. Like, I, I, I think Spencer Radler was a good example of that, though I wouldn't say uh, Marcus Satterfield and Dow Loggins ran the same exact system and the same offense. A little bit different there. But you see, you know, 
how in sync Spencer Rattler and Xavier Leggett were because of all that time that they got together in the story about Xavier Leggett, you know, trying to get into the facility when it's, he's got like call up Beamer and he's like, Hey, there's like nobody here on a Friday night. Like I was told basically every week on whatever game South Carolina was playing. But well, the stuff about like Beamer, that, he's got a lot of keys. He feels like a guy who does a lot of jobs. He's got a lot of keys. He'll get you in. He's got the, um, yeah, the big, like, you know, the, 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 the key ring that, that Jim gives to white, that he keeps t- taking, he keeps adding like one key to it every single time. He's like, I was hope I was just going to add one key to this, and eventually Dwight's pants would fall down. Uh, yeah, just like that, totally like that. But this, so this is why this market is out of control. It's absolutely crazy. Unless you have a returning starting quarterback that you feel really good about, chances are you are probably in the market for somebody new. And I don't blame guys for leaving. I don't blame coaches for taking that chance. And I don't blame parents or kids or fans or whoever for being upset about a lot of these different things, because I think the path to playing is now trickier than ever to navigate. But the good news is that there is also more freedom than ever to navigate what that looks like. Dustin Wade's dad can be upset that his son didn't get playing time, but the reality is he's now hoping that someone treats his son like their version of Devin Leary. And some other dad is just going to end up upset that his kid isn't getting to start. That's how this entire thing works. That's just college a chain of disappointed dads. It's like, okay, we took a chance on you. Now yep. your dad's disappointed. Now you're going to leave and disappoint someone else's dad. It sucks because there's a real human element to it. And like, I'll say this, you made a really interesting point. Offer. You saw me just furiously Googling because I was like, wow, there's a lot of good stuff. Like at the top, like uh, it's interesting because like I want, okay. I think because of this, would you say the quarterback position is the best it's ever been at college football or in all of college football? I don't know that you can definitively say that. I think the circumstances to put quarterbacks in the best spot, I think that has never been better. And so I guess that's a way of saying yes, because if you have the ability to take a step back after seeing your strengths and weaknesses early in your college career, and you can handpick, not everybody can handpick, but a lot of these guys are getting to handpick their next destination based on scheme based on surrounding talent based on competition level all these different things and if you can reevaluate instead of just being the person that's locked in you know the kirk herb street who like committed to the wrong school like he's a buckeye till he dies but he if you read his book he committed to the wrong school he was in the wrong scheme throughout his entire career and if he had been able to step back without those portal you know with the portal restrictions what they were the transfer restrictions i should say back what they were in the 90s and if he could have stepped back and gone to a place that ran that option system that would have fit his skill set, different career, maybe different broadcasting career. So hmm. if you now have the ability to do this and hit the reset button, yes, it can benefit you and it can benefit so many of these other offenses instead of being like, well, crap, we've recruited this guy. He's been in our system for three years, but he just doesn't have it. And you're kind of forced to stick with him. That doesn't exist in the way that it once did. And if it does, and if that is still holding you back, that's a you problem. That's a Dabo yep. Sweeney problem. Yep. And that's yep. something and that you need to be able to figure out. At, at that literally, so, okay, let me put it this way. Maybe not at the top, top, right? Maybe, I mean, Jaden Daniels has done, like the top three Heisman guys are insane this year. Um, you know, there have been years, maybe there are five, six guys like that, whatever. But at the bottom, the bottom is so radically different than it was four or five years ago. And a great example is exactly what you said. Okay. Even Iowa <laughs> could go get a transfer quarterback 
and not get guys from their system. Now it still won't work. Okay. <laughs> but they could at least try, you know, and like that's my best example is like your system can be so broken that you go, you know what? We're going to go ahead and get someone to try to fix the system from the outside and they still won't do it, but it'll be better than who you would have come up with. And I feel like for these like middle and lower tier teams, I mean, like not to just fully like dump on like South Carolina. We talked about they've never had an all SEC quarterback. Boom, you got Spencer Rattler. Not that he's an all-ACC quarterback, but he's encroaching on their all-time records just from a couple of years of solid football. You know what I'm saying? Not great, not 10-win seasons, but just being a former five-star quarterback and being in that system and being a guy the offensive coordinator trusts to throw the ball 40 and 50 times, even in losses. And so that's the thing. It's like if you weren't the schools that were getting the four- and five-star talent, you would be cycling through struggling three-stars. And that's when you com- when you compare the modern game versus the old game, you know, you'd see – not to pick on a team, you know, these, let's say these older Miami teams, like from the 2000s, if you look at the quarterbacks they would play, these guys are not any good because it would just be years and years and years of three and two-star recruits in the old, like, um, Big East, right? Whereas now it's like every team like that will go get some disgruntled starter. So, yeah, I, I think that um, – and this is going to be a quick side tangent, but I think that we're getting to a point where more guys are getting a chance to play, and that's better for the sport. Now, Agreed. on the other side, you you hit on something else, which is – transfers in the NFL and we have previously talked about how I think I mean bro Brock Purdy is like close to winning the MVP right now like the quarterback situation in the NFL is horrible um and I'm wondering I think closing that gap might fix the problem because when you get more and more of these quarterbacks that have chances to get seen by scouts then you get a big rush of these quarterbacks in the NFL whereas right now we're still in that two or three years of like do we trust these guys do we build around these guys do we still run our old system so I think it's happening now in college and we will start to see it more in the NFL and it's why in the NFL I will continue to say like giving up on some of these guys there are more paths than ever before for for some of these guys to be able to just figure it out and find a way in and Brock Purdy is the exception of the role, you know, system and, and all those things and surroundings are, are very ideal. Obviously and that's very well documented, but it, it is a reminder that the quarterback position and the way that it's evaluated and the guys that you're taking chances on that has changed in so many different ways. And it's something that I'm finding. I'm even having to adapt to of like, you know, when I talk about Will Rogers and his destinations and I'm like, yeah, you know what? Like, I don't really know that 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 what he's done so far in his career is really going to translate and a lot of people are going to stay away. And then I'm kind of seeing like, oh, yeah, Will Rogers could end up at Washington. Like, all right, that's just sometimes Uh the rest of us. I mean, Kalen DeBoer and Ryan Grubb, like those guys are exceptional offensive minds. But, yeah, like that that is kind of what we come back to and why giving up on some of these guys makes us look really, really dumb. Another reason why these moves are being made and why this is such an active market for the portal. Leashes are shorter than ever for coaches, obviously. Okay, These are moves that can absolutely get you fired or can allow you to win a national title. And the variance is that extreme. Reality is that these coaches, they don't really know what they're getting or what they're passing up, despite what they're going to say publicly, despite what they're even saying in closed door meetings. They do not truly know. And I can paint the exact picture of what I mean by that by going back to December 2017. Six years ago this week, let's look at the lives that were changed because of some of these decisions with uh, quarterback decisions and deciding, do we need that guy? Do we need this transfer? Do we need this recruit, that recruit, whatever. Scott Frost with Adrian Martinez and Joe Burrow. 
Adrian Martinez, longtime Tennessee commit. When Butch Jones gets fired, he flips to Nebraska. Scott Frost goes through spring with him. And I remember the takeaway was Adrian Martinez is going to start as a true freshman. They're already making him available to the media, which is pretty crazy for a guy that should have been going to prom instead of playing in a spring game. Shout out to Jake Bentley. So they're having a post-spring press conference, and Joe Burrow had entered the portal. And everyone knows that, that Burrow had Nebraska interests. His two older brothers played there. His dad was on Frank Solich's staff. The infamous comment that Scott Frost made about Burrow was, do you think he's better than what we got? What gets taken out of context with what Frost said was that he actually was not saying that in an arrogant way. He was asking the question because he legitimately didn't know. He really did not know. Hey, like, uh, guys, do you think Joe Burrow is better than Adrian Martinez? He didn't know. And to be clear, two years of uh, solid starter Joe Burrow versus three or four years of might be good Adrian Martinez. So a little bit harder of a decision than we're making it out to be in retrospect. No, no, no. Joe Burrow in the like post Ohio State it hadn't been a no, starter. No, no, I know. No, no, I know. I, but I'm saying it would be two years. Like he was at LSU two years. Oh. Two years of Joe Burrow versus four years of Adrian Martinez. Yes, yes. That That is exactly right. The same day that Adrian Martinez drops his Tennessee commitment, another quarterback commitment in that Tennessee class dropped his commitment. Michael Penix Jr. Pruitt didn't want him. Pruitt literally pulled his scholarship offer. Tennessee fans, I know that hurts. That that's, That one stings. J.T. Shroud. J.T. Shroud was the guy for Jeremy Pruitt. Mm. I mean, he ended up having a nice cup of coffee with Butch, ironically enough, at Arkansas State. He was like still just playing, like as of like this this past year. Played at Colorado. He was one of the guys that he didn't fit the Louis description for Deion Sanders at Colorado, so he wasn't staying there. But you get what I'm saying. So Penix, very levels of success at IU. He was the guy. The majority of that shortened but very historic season by IU standards in 2020, where in the Big Ten just decides, hey, let's change the rules, put Ohio State in the Big Ten championship. Um, but Penix didn't play in the bowl game against Ole Miss, and he got hurt. He got hurt early the next season after IU had started off in the top 25. They lost to Cincinnati that year. It was a disappointing season. So he sits down with Tom Allen at the end of the season, and unlike what happened at Tennessee with Pruitt pulling the scholarship, it's not like Tom Allen pushed Michael Penix Jr. out the door. Okay, you can go back and read the stuff. It's all there. Penix said it was his decision. He wanted to get a fresh start. That meant reuniting with former IU offensive coordinator, Kalen DeBoer, who had just gotten the head job at Washington. He was in need of a quarterback in the portal. Had Tom Allen said, hey, I know you want a fresh start, but I want you to stay. I'll even let you handpick our next offensive coordinator. We'll get the NIL lined up. We'll get you taken care of. If he comes out with that approach, who knows? Okay. Maybe that happened. The result suggests it didn't happen. Instead, though, Allen went out. They got Connor Bazelak in the portal. Yeah, woof. Friend of the program, but woof. A year later, the offense was so bad that they made a midseason coordinator firing. And ultimately, Tom Allen got a massive buyout while Michael Penix led Washington to a playoff berth, and he went to New York. Let's stay in that early 2017 December range, okay? Um, Dan Mullen, Emory Jones. I teased it before. When Dan Mullen takes over at Florida, Emory Jones is the guy that he wants. It's Ohio State commit. He doesn't want Matt Corral. Doesn't want him. So Corral flips to Ole Miss. And eventually, Corral sticks around because Lane takes over. He's coming in. He 
he likes what he sees in, in the Lane Kiffin offense, and Lane likes what Corral brings to the table. Um, and, and obviously, you know, the way that that played out, and he was really, really good uh, his last two seasons there. But the mullet part is intriguing. Mullen goes with Emory Jones as his first quarterback recruit at Florida. So naturally, among Florida fans, hype builds for him because we know Mullen's track record developing quarterbacks in Mississippi State. And this guy is even more talented than the Nick Fitzgeralds and even the Dak Prescotts of the world, at least as a recruit. So after three years of developing Emory Jones and getting him these random looks in games with either Felipe Franks or Kyle Trask as the starter, Emory is finally going to get to start in year four, which was 2021. And Mullen, like many others, myself included, are convinced he's the guy. This is going to be awesome. This is going to be fun. Even though Kyle Trask just led this historically dominant passing offense for Florida, they're still going to be able to run the prototypical Mullen offense, and that is really intriguing. But as it turns out, he wasn't the guy. And once he got a full dose of live reps, he made far too many mistakes, and that offense was basically falling apart uh, throughout the entire season, and it was part of the reason why Dan Mullen got fired. I know they still ran the ball really well, Florida fans, but still, that offense, the, the drop-off from 2020 was very significant. Mullen, who was regarded as one of the best quarterback developers, one of the best schemers in the sport, he couldn't make it work with Emory, and he probably started him too long instead of Anthony Richardson. We talked about that a lot, but... And Richardson got hurt, so take that for what it is. But even Mullen didn't really know until it was too late. Even Mullen, and he had that big of a sample size to look at his quarterback. So let's picture this situation for someone like Shane Beamer right now, right? Right now, there's this debate about if K.J. Jefferson enters the portal. He shot down rumors that he had already entered. If he enters the portal, would he be the guy at South Carolina or would Lenore Sellers be the guy? My guy Brad Crawford reported the connection between Jefferson and South Carolina. Not crazy to think about Dal Loggins' connection. That makes sense there. As of this recording, KJ is not in the portal. So take this for what it is. But that decision, if it is Shane Beamer's to make, could define his time in South Carolina. Do you go with the backup? Is uh, backup this past year? Do you go with that guy who will be a redshirt freshman? Do you trust him in this offense or do you go with the three-year SEC starter who is very much in a bad situation last year and probably still has a lot of questions about the reads and the type of offense that you can run with him and what that transition would look like? Which one do you go with? That debate is super common at the Power 5 level right now, but not everybody is in Beamer's spot where he's taught, he's got to be thinking about job security. And maybe he's got a limited NIL budget for portal guys and all these different things that can come into a decision like that. If it doesn't work out, we're going to dog Shane Beamer. That's what we're going to do. And we're going to say he should have gone with the other guy. If it does work out and South Carolina goes eight and four, something like that, with like a fun, high-powered offense, Beamer probably gets a raise. That's the way this works. It is. Even for people that live, eat, and breathe this stuff, it's hard. It's a gamble no matter what you're deciding. Because even if you pass on the portal and your guy is solid, or if you just whiff on a guy in the portal, you've still got to answer the question about the guy that you didn't get if he takes off. Think about Mizzou right now. Brady Cook ended up being solid. He ended up being solid. Mm -hmm. How many times, though, do you think Mizzou fans watched Jaden Daniels and the player that he became, especially in that game against Mizzou, and thought, man, what could have been if he had picked us? 
Obviously, I think he needed to go to LSU to become this best version of himself, but you can't right. help but wonder. Drink has had this historic season for Mizzou, and I know I've said the word historic a lot, but bear with me on that. Drink has had this great season for Mizzou, and still, that probably follows him to a certain extent, despite the fact that he thinks Brady Cook would be great to date one of his daughters. These are the things that are going to eat at you if you're a head coach. They absolutely will. The portal Wait, market for court. I think, I think you just hit on something else that's good, which is that, okay – um, I, I'm blanking on the what's the the South Carolina's the South Carolina quarterback's name that's Lenore, on the right now? Lenore Sellers, who's looks like a a younger version of KJ, at least in in terms of physical frame and skill set. Yes, and I'm realizing I think I'm now coming to terms with this. I think I just have a massive soft spot for like huge swole quarterbacks. That's why I love Vandergrift. That's why I love both of these guys. It's why Bill Rowe is kind of growing on me. It's you know, Tebow, okay, like these dudes that just push the file. I've always loved that. And so uh, also. Sellers, we figured out the other day, Rex Specs guy. So be able to look out for that. But that being said, this is the this is the classic. Would you like a boat or a mystery box? Because it's like, well, this guy could be KJ Jefferson. Well, there's KJ Jefferson if you have the option. And the only place I'm going with that is I'm not saying go right or go wrong. I'm saying that from a coaching standpoint, if you bring in KJ Jefferson, you brought in KJ Jefferson. You knew that KJ Jefferson was good. Like, Say what you will about South Carolina so far, bringing in Spencer Rattler, electric, right? Like that is probably... I'm not going to say it necessarily saved his job, but all of the good column has a lot to do with Spencer Rattler because they're able to get that guy in say, look at this five-star recruit, da, 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 look at this new shiny thing. So I almost would say if your downside of bringing a transfer is Spencer Sanders and it's like, oh, you're wasting this kid's career. Nobody cares. Fans don't care that Spencer Sanders wasting his career. So you might as well just go get the guy and see what happens. You, you really should. Uh, there should be depth that you're you're trying to go out and get as well. And look, I, I know that for some of these guys, you can sell to them, hey, you know, if you want to become a coach, this would be a good option to do. I know guys are doing that too. And and I mm-hmm. applaud guys that, that do that, that that have the awareness to say, look, I'm, I'm probably not going to be that guy. But if I can, you know, you just never know. Maybe you're a second string guy, you're a third string guy, you're holding the clipboard, thinking that you're going to start your coaching career. And then boom, you, you just never know where this thing is going to go. Like, look at the Tyler Buckner situation right now. Even Bama thought, hmm. Yeah, we've got these guys that we recruited, these blue chip quarterbacks. We have four of these blue chip quarterbacks in our system, but we haven't seen them with the live reps, at least not to the point that made us think, oh, this is definitely a guy. Milrow hadn't mm-hmm. shown you enough in those live reps that he got against Arkansas, against AM the year earlier, and the spring game performance very well documented. You still felt the need to say, ah, you know what? We got to go after the portal. I know this isn't really what we do, but we got to go into the portal. And Limited sample size, Tyler Buckner. I would love to know the mindset of Tyler Buckner of what happened in that USF game wherein he got to start and it was a disaster in that first half. And the like the confidence that he probably had coming into this season of thinking, maybe I can win this starting job. And then by season's end to now be pursuing a lacrosse career back at Notre Dame instead of playing football. Yep. That's the variance, man. Like It's not like that with everybody. But it's all over the place. It, it truly is. And you don't know until you know. That's that's the Hold message on. that I want to drive home. This is another interesting thing. So what if, like, Buckner did not play, like, hot dog water trash? Like, what if he just beat USF by 20 or 30? Like, I swear to God, Athletic Peak, me or you could have done with that Alabama roster. How – what what is this Bama team? They probably, at that point, lose a couple more games because you now are rotating in quarterbacks. But playing Tyler Buckner – 
And whatever you want to say about the motivation was of that, let them realize how good Jalen Miller was. Well, the sliding doors of that are wild. Wild. Mm-hmm. You are exactly right because they had a difficult schedule after that too. It wasn't mm-hmm. like they just eased into this with, you know, three or four SEC games where they're favored by 21 points. I and mean, let's not forget, they had Ole Miss in the first part of that schedule. a and mm-hmm. was pretty early on in that schedule as well. And if they had gone with Buckner, who – I, look, I had said coming into the year, there are people that think he's he's a game manager. He's not even a game manager yet, and he hasn't had enough of those live reps because he wasn't getting those live reps in high school, even because of his situation. So, it's a great point. I'm I'm kind of disappointed in myself that I haven't brought that up or that that I haven't thought of something like that until you were until you were able to bring it to our attention. But yeah, man, like you need depth. Everybody's going to need depth. And it's not a guarantee that you're going to have one of these guys that pop because I do think the surroundings and recognizing how they could thrive in their surroundings is what has helped Jaden Daniels, Bo Nix, Michael Penix Jr. get to this stage in New York. But man, like play college football and who knows if you're going to end up in the right situation or if you can put yourself in the right situation. That's that's what it's all about. And it feels like this sport in this 2020s decade is going to be defined by moves like that. I feel pretty confident in that. And I think that we're going to see so many of these championship runs fueled by those decisions and, and some that that could have happened that who knows, maybe if they had gotten this guy out of the portal, maybe they could have been able to to repeat or, or, or something like that. I think it's just something that we're going to be talking about a lot moving forward. So if you're like kind of fatigued by the quarterback movement, it's tough to keep, keep straight and all that look um it's not changing anytime soon it's it's just not so um look this this is just where the sport is going and it's it's where it currently is yeah the nba has a bad problem with like covering the transaction over the game um and i think that college football is actually a pretty great balance because like you know how many really like NFL free agents have like truly changed the culture of truly. I mean, you talk about Tom Brady, maybe, you know what I'm saying? But you're not going to get one guy in your building who's really going to change. Plenty of guys have thought they were that guy and they've been wrong. Um, But with college football, it's like, you know, a lot of programs are a quarterback away. A lot of them are, honestly. And I think that this is the fun part where you get to say, okay, you know, maybe it's not – you know, maybe it's not a disgruntled five-star. Maybe it's the opposite. That's Dylan Gabriel, who starts at UCF. He plays for Gus Malzahn, much like Bo Nix. Gus Malzahn has him running up and down the field for no reason. He breaks his collarbone. He's like, you know what? I don't think I'm – I want to end up like uh, original Bo Nix. I think I'm going to get out of here. And so point being, like, it gives these guys mobility. But if you're a fan of any team other than, like, a group of five team, which you kind of know what you are. Like, if you're a group of five team and you're mad that your guys are leaving, like, it's just a game, man. Like, I don't know what to tell you, like – it's just a game, you know? The, just be happy exception. that your guys – What's up? The one exception to that. Hmm. Say a prayer for Vandy fans right now. It's – look, I had this thought pop into my brain the other day. I don't think it's going to happen because they've already started those stadium renovations. I get it. The check is too good to be getting from the SEC. It finances so many of those other things that they want to do, especially in the academic side. But I had the thought, Vandy ever just shut down football? Because if you look at the way that roster is getting poached, man, it's bad. It is so bad. And there are programs like that that are getting screwed as a result of, I'm not saying as a result of tampering, but it's not like you can just 
have it be a true two-way street in the portal because of the academic requirements that you're yep. dealing with at Vandy. Like, pour one out for Vandy because it is – if there is one fan base where I would just say, like, have all the, like, all the apathy in the want, that you want is just perfectly fine, it's them. Everybody else, it's kind of like, well – you got to figure it out. That's that's just that's reality, and you got to be able to figure out your situation. Well, that's your that's your athletic department's priorities, though, is what that is. I sure. mean, because at the end of the day, it's like Duke basketball can get all these guys in the door. So you know what I'm saying? If you cared, you would do that. Like I heard this quote the other day that they they've been you know what I'm saying? They care about basketball, so they make it happen. What's up? Yes, they they care about basketball, so they can make that happen. I don't think it's as easy to flip the switch, especially with the amount of scholarships that you have to be able to flip that switch to make that work. It's a different investment, even than Duke basketball. That's that's fair. And like two or three basketball players, like we said, can change a roster. Um, but yeah, I mean, I heard a quote the other day about Vandy. It was like one of their aspirations. It said, if the ball is round, we are sound. Like, AKA we're a basketball a baseball school. That's fire. So it's like, you just don't care about football, dog, which bowling? is fine. They're really good at bowling too. We can't. There we go. That. Yeah. There we go. So it's like, if your athletic department is not making a push to, and like you said, they're renovating or whatever, but if you're not saying, hey, we're going to relax these standards. Hey, we're going to make, we're going to sell like all this different stuff. If you're going to be half a foot in, then I don't feel sorry for you because we're watching, you know, again, Iowa get transfer quarterbacks. Like you can figure something out if you make it a priority, but if you don't, I don't care. How much do you think Kate McNamara regrets the tweets where he's like, just keep doubting us, keep doubting us. I know he got hurt. So it's not really a fair thing to say. Probably like they had the worst offense in the country, like the literal yep. worst offense in the country. Um, we're, we're right. We're right. I'll take the dub on that one. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, I will doubt you. I will continue to doubt you. It's going great, actually. <laughs> yeah, self-awareness. Got to have it. Got to have it at every single mm -hmm. turn of this. All right. Uh, any other thoughts on that before before we, we kick test? I know that was a lot of portal talk. There's We're going to be doing like a lot more of like the individual breakdowns of some of these moves and stuff because I know a lot of these are going to be happening. But I just kind of wanted to I, – I thought that related to the Heisman Trophy as, as a whole and, and – where kind of this this sport is at in a very chaotic time. Yeah, let's uh, let's dovetail back around to those three guys. So I think that uh, you're making okay. So not to like get into the nitty gritty of this, but you went to Indiana. So for me, when I saw Michael Penix from the jump, from like I guess I first saw him in 19, then some some 20, I was like, I'm in. I've been I've been like a stand for this dude. I mean, you talked to me and like the way I've been in Washington kind of the whole time. I didn't really see the, the downside of him, but what you're telling me he was getting hurt because I would just see him in highlights. You know, I was not watching Indiana football like that. But you don't notice the guy when he's not there. You know what I'm saying? You, you don't really see him struggle. It's just like he's if he's unavailable, then you know you're you're kind of screwed if you're counting on him. So I get that there might have been more negative current than I saw. Um, but it, it's so interesting to see. And this is another benefit, like beneficial part of the the portal, right? Like as a society, we are getting to where we're making society work for us as just individuals a little bit better. Right. So like, look at us right now. Like we both have jobs where like you get to be home with Claire, you know what I'm saying? We get to sit on a podcast and just BS with each other, which is super fun. Like, and there have been times where both of us are like, ah, but we all end up kind of here because what's really important to us is that freedom. It's the ability to control our own lives, control our own schedule. And I think that that's a big deal. You know what I'm saying? Like I could get a call from Turner tomorrow and I'd be like, dang, like if I got to not do the podcast, I probably would not do that because that's what's Sick important to brag. me. Goodness gracious, man. All I'm right, saying if I got that call, now, I'm not right. telling you the call is coming. I'm telling you, okay. but if they were like, Hey, you know, you got to work 10, 12 hours a day. And even like I was with SDS, I wouldn't want to do that at this point in my career because I like to 
care about this. I go hard for the stuff I care about, but I don't want to be in an office and just talking to people for five hours a day. So point being like our society is going that way and coaching staffs have always been that way. So when you look at a guy like, um, you know, Tom Allen and specifically when you look at a guy like Herm Edwards, who nobody has talked about Herm Edwards and even the allegories, maybe to Dion a little bit, because this dude came in and got all these recruits and promised him all this stuff. And it was like, Oh, we got, uh, what's his name? Antonio, uh, whatever the linebacker from the Giants. Like, oh, we we got Antonio all these, Pierce. Like, three, yeah. Yes, yeah. Antonio Pierce. Like we got all these guys that are like NFL guys. We're going here, and you know, and he was unable to manage the program part of it, the the discipline, the structure, all that stuff. And so Jaden Daniels was a guy who trusted the wrong folks. It's as simple as that. He was a great recruit. You know, what I'm saying him and Bo Nix were like one and two in the dual threat of that class. I know you guys have seen that graphic, but it was never. I think Jaden's a bum. It's this guy trusted the wrong guys and you could see that with the way he played last year he played like a dude with the yips he had a little bit of that our boy uh hackenberg in him where i was like oh, i don't want to make a mistake i don't want to and then this year he's just like i'm sending that thing and so i think that that is such a big deal when you see coaches will let you down coaches will break their promises like you're talking about to, to the wade guys father it's like coaches have been lying to kids since coaching existed that's just what you got to do sometimes as a coach and sometimes you don't got to do it sometimes you just do it because you're that type of dude i know you know plenty of good brian kelly has done that saban's done that all the great guys have done that it's not you know it's not like a you have to do it sometimes i get it but if coaches can lie to you and if coaches can do what's best for them if coaches can leave players hanging i think that hitting the portal is a good move to that so if you're anti-portal it's like number one think about how it'll likely help your fan base right because even alabama even georgia i promise you you're going to end up with one of these guys i promise you one day you're going to end up with one of these guys and end up eating your words if you think oh, we're the program we don't need that we don't need transfers yeah you do in alabama you could have gotten some transfers at receiver the last couple of years and had a completely different situation you know what i'm saying and so that's like nobody's above it Dabo's struggling um but i'll say like okay so we're talking about Penix. he like same deal, just kind of wasn't a great fit for him, moved up to a good situation. Bo Nix is a little bit interesting because he had almost the opposite where it's like he was almost forced to go to Auburn independent of Gus Malzahn because of his dad's history and all that. And all, and it felt like those guys were like shotgun marriage together from the first start where it was like, well, you get Bo Nix, but you got to play him or the fan base is going to go insane. And you got to play at Auburn, but you got to play for Gus. And that, I mean, the fact that he was a dual threat quarterback and was running and, and making all these plays with his legs, which as an LSU fan, I saw firsthand, buddy. Uh, and then he's now completely changed to a different style of player. So at the end of the day, it's kind of like mirroring life in a way. It's like, it's not about your parents. It's not about what people tell you. It's about what makes you happy or what puts you in an environment that you succeed. And when we all are just honest with ourselves and say, hey, you know, sometimes like, okay, let me get a little bit philosophical on you. I got a little bit of time. One of the greatest things that my therapist has told me is that if something bothers you, you need to be honest about it from the jump because what you end up doing is being resentful. Okay. So if you say, Oh, it's okay. It's okay. It's no worries. I'll just play for, you know, Gus Malzahn. I'll just run the ball. I'll just do all this stuff. He didn't want to do that. You know what I'm saying? He probably did for a minute, but it's obvious to see how he's playing and how much fun he's having going back to the Barrett sleep yeah. or whatever. Yeah. This is his style of football, you know, and it's completely different from when he was playing at Auburn. And it felt like he was doing what the coaches told him, what the fans wanted, what his parents wanted to go do this thing. But then when he realized, I want to be my own man, I want to go over here and pick my destination. I'm going to go over here. And you can see when someone is truly, when an offensive coordinator and a quarterback are completely in lockstep, you know, Peyton and Breeze, Daniels and um, Denbrock. And those guys are the same out there in Washington, or sorry, in Oregon and Washington, where it's like you found your exact match. So, in a way, it's a beautiful story to get, okay, we need a quarterback. We need, we have this system. I need a coach because it's about these guys' futures. And you're taking guys that – you're talking about them staying for two years. 
they all needed this year to get an NFL future. I mean, nobody was taking a chance on Bo Nix after last year. Nobody was taking a chance on Michael on um, Jaden Daniels. I don't know Michael Penix that well. I, I liked him a lot last year. He had some really good advanced numbers. I don't know. But this, that like, it worked for everybody is my only point. I don't know that he's going to be regarded as a prospect the same way that Nixon Daniels are. Um, some of the like the stuff with the, del- the delivery and the way the ball comes out of his hand probably going to be held against him in the pre-draft process. He has still made himself money. There's no question right. about it. It doesn't mean that every situation is going to work out. Mm-hmm. And if your entire viewpoint is, well, all these guys are are selfish and nobody wants to compete. I, I think it's, I think it's, totally different at the quarterback position compared to anywhere else in the field. I, I just do. And it's not to say that everybody who enters the portal, who like is, is a skill position guy or something like that. And is doing it to, 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 to get money like that. They are doing it for all the wrong reasons. Like I, I'm not going to necessarily hate on that, but I think there are just so many more layers to playing quarterback than any other position in sports. Mm-hmm. And for some of these guys, they're going to make the right decision. Some of these guys are going to make the wrong decision. But teams are going to keep swinging. They are just going to keep swinging, and that's why we have this situation right now. It's fun, like it's fun from to be able to talk about. I mean, maybe we'll we'll just do like some cold take type stuff and come out with our favorite portal fits and see how bad that looks a year from now. Because it probably oh, yeah. will. It probably will. Like my it's, offensive coordinator draft, brother. Look, um, I took Dan Enos with my second pick. I think. So you're we need off. to burn that document. I got Denbrock first in my side. I felt good about that. I hit two does right after that. How about my SEC quarterback rings? Well, actually, you know what? Uh, that's a perfect transition to to Jacob Hester, who brings up my SEC quarterback rankings. And <laughs> let's just say I had Jane Daniels behind KJ Jefferson, and uh, he remembered that. Of course, he did. Yeah, hmm. obviously, why wouldn't he? Um, great stuff with with Hester, though. Uh, fun conversation with him, talking about Jaden, some perspective on on what he's done. A fun game that we play as well. Uh, that I think people kind of like be surprised to hear some of the names that we're bringing up as it relates to Jane Daniels. But uh, perspective is is very important. So let's kick it to our good friend Jacob Hester. Now excited to be joined by a very special guest. It is the one and only Jacob Hester. Uh, Hester, you can probably tell by my voice, uh, I, just some congestion, nothing too serious or anything like that. I, I've only got one kid, and I feel like I've basically been sick the entire football season. You, yeah. my friend, have five kids, and yeah. I think you have like five shows at, at this point. Um, everybody go listen to all of them. How do you stay healthy? Is it just the, the grit in you? Um, Yeah. It is. <laughs> it is funny that you, you said that like that because I literally was having a conversation with my college quarterback, Matt Flynn. He was on my my local show today and we were talking about that. Like I wasn't allowed to be sick growing up. My dad is a Marine, never say former Marine. He's a Marine yep. and he was a city policeman for 30 years. And like he's still now, he's 66 years old. By the way, can bench over 315 pounds, like rep it out. He's just like, he's the ultimate dude. And he retired from the city and then like got so bored that he works now like 19 hours a week because you can't get to 20 or you're like full time. So he works like to the very brim of it and still patrols like in the country in North Louisiana, because that's just like, that's who he is. And so like, funny enough, like 
if you had like, a, you know, air quotes here, a cold growing up, mm -mm, that's all mental. You got to get over that. And so I try to use that same mentality. And now it's not mine. It's my dad's grit, maybe that he passed down there. So we try to like bob and weave around being sick here in the Hester household. And my wife's got the same grit. So. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It, it's got to be both of you. Everybody's got to be able to, to power through because there's all that stuff going on constantly. You have five kids. Uh, I know you said that you're not done. Is Cody Schrader going to be the sixth kid of the Hester household? Well, I've already put in the paperwork. Yeah. I've already sent that in. Um, he's already going through the process of becoming, uh, you know, one of my own because I feel like he's already one of my own. So we'll see if it goes through. You know, I tried to get in before he thinks that I'm just trying to hop on now that he's done what he's done in Como. I hope he knows I've been a fan for a very long time. So we'll see if it goes through. I've already tried to get Eli Drinkwitz on it as well. Um, I don't know. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough because he's been maybe the best running back in the country. So, But I'm trying. I am trying to get him on board because I feel like he's one of my own when I'm out there watching him. In your defense, and I do weekly segments on off campus with you um, during during the season. And one of the things that you've been saying this entire year is like Cody Schrader, Cody Schrader, Cody Schrader. Yeah. That guy is awesome. And he's been such a big part of the turnaround. I explain this to me because this is this is part of the story and what makes it so unique. But the part of the story that I don't quite understand, the variance can't be that extreme where we're talking about the only reason he got on the team his dream team to be able to go play for yeah. was because uh, a cocktail between a booster, Eli Drinkwitz, like everybody kind of knows the story by now. And that was just to give him a walk-on spot. And now we're both sitting here wondering like, is this the best back in the country? It's like he or Ollie yeah. Gordon, like who, who is it? What's the biggest reason from your experience as being yeah. a star after getting the last scholarship in your class that we can all say like, hey, we just whiff on this when it comes to running backs, yeah. because I don't think it can just be as simple as, well, he played behind a great offensive line. Yeah. Uh, people don't, when they're kind of laying out what they want a running back to be, maybe they're evaluating a running back. I don't think that that's a position that gets evaluated well. I just, I, I don't. And I think that because sometimes we try to put the best athlete, this guy runs this, he can jump this high, and and that plays in other positions. It doesn't play at running back. Like it, it truly doesn't. The running back is not ever going to be the most athletic guy on the team. He's not going to be the physical freak in the weight room. Oftentimes you are either. And I, I truly believe this. There's going to be some people that, that might hear this and say, you're crazy. You are born to be a running back or you're not. And I truly believe that you have the skill set to be able to have a feel running back is so much about feel, right? If I, if I'm running, an outside zone, which Cody Schrader runs an outside zone better than anybody I've ever seen in college football, oh. ever, like literally ever seen in college football, because he has the feel that I'm talking about. Because if you're trying to get to the line of scrimmage as fast as you can in an outside zone, because you're so fast and you want to show everybody, it's not going to work. It's not what the play is set up for. The play is set up for you to have patience and for you to have that feel that I'm talking about. And I know I'm probably being a prisoner of the moment, but when I watch the tape, I'm talking about like, you know, 2014 on since I've been watching college tape and I go and I watch the end zone copy. He runs it as well as I've ever seen because of the patience. Right. And he just knows how to press that edge with that patience long enough. And then anytime anything opens up, right, the difference between an outside zone and a stretch Right, you're waiting for something to open up. In a stretch, you're still trying to get to the edge and maybe something, maybe you find a cutback. Not oftentimes. Oftentimes, you're trying to get that edge, set that edge. With an outside zone, 
you're still running the green grass, right? It's just your landmark is outside, not inside. And so he just has the ultimate patience. And then here's the thing that separates him from others. When he puts his foot in the ground and goes north-south, once he's made that decision, it is full bore. And it's full speed from the very get-go. That's not easy to do, right? So he has the patience. He knows how to read it. He's got the feel. And then once he makes that decision, it's violently explosive, and I think that's what sep- uh, you know separates him from the other players. And then he's going to be put in, you know, yeah, he's he can do this. He can run an 11-yard run, but can he hit a home run? If you don't know that answer by now, you haven't been watching. He runs away from people. Okay, so I don't know what he's going to run in the 40 once he gets to Indy. I don't know that, but I know he's got football speed. And literally, he has all the things that you need to be very successful. And it's not just the outside zone that he can run. But he runs it so well that oftentimes I can't get away from how well he does that to talk about the other runs. It's a great point. And it's, you know, it's something that I think about a lot because as much as we all can go through the history of the sport and we can look at a Herschel, LeBeau, Walter Payton, these guys who are physical freaks in every yeah. sort of way. There is still the Emmett Smith, uh, Barry Sanders. I should have included in that first category as well. Just the things that he does. Um, on yeah, he's he's what we like to call a unicorn. Um, yeah. He doesn't really fit any box because he's bigger than all the boxes. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> that's, that's definitely fair. But like you, you bring that up and I, I think of the Trent Richardson thing, Trent Richardson, physical freak did not have that feel at least did not have the feel that you need to at the NFL level. And so we're all wondering like, why was he such a bust? And, and the vision thing is pretty well documented, but it's, it's what you talk about. It's having that sense. And it doesn't mean that Cody Schrader is destined to be like this great NFL player, but like, are, are we doing that at the college level and at the NFL level where we're riffing on guys like that, that could pop up out of nowhere. And all of a sudden we're just like, Oh my God, like how did we not see somebody that has this unbelievable trait that is now translating to whatever level we're talking about. Yeah, and as we know, like running backs, they don't have the value at the next level and the highest level. They, I guess they really don't have it at the college level like they used to, but it's still more valuable than the professional ranks. And I just don't know why that they don't see that sometimes. Like, look at um, Arian Foster and and like who he was. Like, he was a perfect example uh, of running and having the patience and having the feel. He wasn't going to be a 4-4 guy, but man, he knew exactly where he was going. He had a plan every time he put his foot into the ground and he had a hell of a pro career. And, uh, you know, he was a guy that didn't get drafted incredibly high. And oftentimes we worry so much about what he did in Indy, what this player do. And some of the running back stuff, you can take stuff from the short shuttle, right? The three cone and the 20 yard shuttle and those different things change the direction. I do understand that. But as far as like straight line speed, like unless a guy's out there running a four, seven, nine or something, I wouldn't worry about that because when you look at the position, it's just, it's got to be more about how they understand the blocking assignments, how they have a feel for those blocking assignments and being able to do it without even seeing it. Like if I'm running an inside zone, Connor, like I can't look backside, but I've got to know what's there. And that's all about having that ability to run the football, have a feel for running a zone run. And like that just has to happen naturally almost. I don't even know what I could tell you to work on that. Right. It's tough. I got I have four sons and five children. My daughter's probably going to be the best of them all, by the way. So I'll include her in that. But we were talking about like with my 10 year old, he was asking questions about it. And I'm like, I I can't teach you. I can't teach you how to feel that player on the backside. Right. 
you have to just, you kind of have to have that and you got to continue to work on it. Can you get better at it? Yes, you can. But I truly, again, I think it's something that you're truly born with. And when you see some of the best rushers to ever do it, like Emma Smith, you brought up a great name. Emma Smith's not going to beat anybody in a foot race. He never was going to beat anybody in a foot race, but I'll be damned if he didn't have a plan every single time that he touched the football and he knew where he was going with it. And so for me, if I'm looking for a certain system, now every system's going to be a little bit different. Every team's going to ask you to do something different, right? That doesn't mean you can't play the running back position at a very high level. I mean, guys like Darren Sproles is, is as fast as they come. But there was things that Darren had that were very unique in the fact that he had the speed, he had the quickness, he had the toughness, he had the strength, and he had the feel, right? And so oftentimes you don't get the total package there. But for me, if I'm choosing a running back, I'm going and I'm watching the end zone copy. I'm seeing, okay, give me five of each run, inside zone, outside zone, power, counter, ISO, and let me see what your read is. Let me see how you feel and what your instincts are as far as what's your plan once you see green grass. How would you advise a running back in the portal then? If you're talking, if let's say Rocket Sanders reaches out to you, who's reportedly in the yeah. portal, and he says, man, I I, I want to get this right. I, I, I've got one opportunity yeah. to go to the right place and figure this out. Is it scheme? Is it is it depth chart? Is it is it feeling like you've got a position coach that's in your corner? Like, yeah. What is the thing that you would tell these, these running backs in the portal to, to be most mindful of? It's scheme. It's absolutely yeah. scheme. If it's the depth chart, you've heard, you know, you know, you know, my dad, if you're scared of competition, change your last name. I don't want to hear about that. I don't want to hear about depth chart. You're Rocket Sanders. Like if we're using that as an example, you're a dude. All right. Go be a dude, but go be a dude in the right system. Go find what is the best system for you. For me, the best run that I had, I ran power. Power is the, the run that I felt like I had the best feel for. I could do some other stuff, but it wasn't going to be as good as power was. And so like if I, if Jacob Hester was in the portal, right? Looking for a new team, right? I'd go find who runs power the most, right? Who wants to get downhill? Like where, where can I get maybe the most opportunities to showcase what I do best? Now I have to be better. I've got to get better at inside zone and outside zone, whatever you end up calling, but who wants to have that power run? Because I need to match up with you. If I'm a running back and I run counter power, even outside zone really, really well, you know where I'm not going? Like I'm not going to Iowa. Because when you look at the analytics of who Iowa is, they're going to run inside zone a majority of the time, All right, I don't do that well. Again, I can get better. I can work hard, but I'm not going to help you. You're not going to help me. So if I'm in the portal, oftentimes I, I know there's different motivations. Maybe it is the depth chart for some people, easier path to the playing field. Maybe it is a coach. But if it's a position coach, right, that running back coach, he's not calling the plays. That OC is calling the plays. What plays does he call? What do I do really well? And you have to have some self-talk. Like you got to talk to yourself. Hey, I'm confident, but I know what I do well. I know what I do best. I know what I don't do well or what I need to work on. And so I think I look, if I'm in the portal, I find what do I do really, really well and who runs it the most? Like Lane Kiffin's going to run power. People don't think that. They don't want to have that conversation for whatever. But if I run power really well, like Lane Kiffin's a guy that I would certainly, you know, seek out, have that conversation with. And so I think it just matters whatever you do really well. If you're a running back, go find who wants to do that. Josh Heupel, he's going to run counter. He's going to run like everything is up and people just see Josh Heupel's offense. You're like, Oh, the receivers are on the sidelines. It's this high tempo. They throw the ball all, you know, across the board. And it's just not it. Like, they are going to be an 11 personnel, but every run is going to be available, right? So you have to 
and it, it, it can be difficult, but you have to do a deep dive. Don't get into the portal on, you know, what was it, December the 4th that opened up and have a decision by December the 5th without looking at any of the analytics of what the offense is. I think Dylan Johnson's a good example of a guy that yep. that really looked at the the situation at Washington. It was like, I think I fit well in that. And obviously, he was in a really atypical offense with, with what Mike Leach ran and the way that he used running backs. But you're seeing somebody like that that definitely chose the scheme that was right for him. And now he's a, a huge part of that team and p- could per- perhaps be part of a national championship team. Um, you're going to be in New York for for the Heisman ceremony. Uh, I want to talk, Jaden, with you, obviously. It's very well documented on this show, on your show, on all your shows, what he has done. But I want to go back to when he shows up on campus and it's what mid spring of, of last year. What do you remember about some of your first impressions of of who he was and kind of getting to see him in person for the first time? Yeah. So, you know, you had a book of what he was at Arizona state, but there was peaks and valleys, right? It it wasn't always consistent. And so you kind of form this idea of what he could be because there was good in there. And you certainly look at his freshman year. And for me, it was like, okay, well, how do you get that out of him? That's on you. How do you get that version and not the one that just threw 10 touchdowns and 10 interceptions? And so like, that's going to be the challenge on the coaches because you had seen enough to make you believe that he could be something very similar and I think last year he was good. Like, I don't, I don't think he was a bad football player at all. Were there things that he needed to work on? Absolutely. You know, there were things that he had to work on. But, I mean, when you look at the totality of the season, I mean, he put them in a, a great position oftentimes. And it was a little streaky. But, like, the good streaks were really, really good. And so you see him get on campus. You know what he could do. You know what he can do. You know what he has the ability of doing. And my thought process was, okay, well, Mike Denbrock just did this with Desmond Ritter, and and it worked really, really well. It felt like he tailored his offense to what Desmond Ritter did well. Will he do the same with Jaden Daniels? And I think him and Joe Sloan, the quarterback coach, have done a hell of a job kind of getting the most out of Jaden, certainly last year. And then I think Jaden put his head down and went to work this year. I mean, you can't turn on the tape from a year ago, again, which I think was a good season, and then turn in an elite season, like a generational-type stats-wise season that Jaden just had without putting in the work. And you watch the tape, and I was talking about this with Flynn earlier today, just how he's improved going through his progression. Yep. Because oftentimes, Connor, you know this, like when you have a quarterback that knows he can run for 1,000 yards and have the highest rush average of anybody in the country, they're jittery in the pocket because they're always looking to have a reason to run. And so we always call them jittery pocket guys, and they're bouncing up and down. There's none of that this year. It's progression, progression, progression. It's not there. I'm not going to panic, but then I'm going to pull the ball down, find you know an avenue to get out of here, and then go run. There's nothing like jittery about it, though, and that's because we've heard some of the VR stuff that he's done in the offseason, in-season, and you can tell that. So that's him going to work and improving on that. And then like him throwing the deep ball. Last year, he was reluctant to even do that. And we all know the Tennessee game, yep. right? Brian Kelly meets him on the hash. He's like, one-on-one, throw the football. And Brian Kelly didn't like the fact that he didn't have his more interceptions last year because he's, yep. like, he's not taking chances. Man, this year he's been the best deep ball thrower in the country. Like somebody that I respect uh, a ton in the NFL draft uh, process is Matt Miller, works for ESPN. Matt's grinded his way up, and now he's with ESPN doing big things. And I saw – he put it out there. He's like, look, I mean, I think it was like 22 throws, touchdown throws of o- over 20 yards, which is an insane stat. And he's like, look, he's the best deep ball thrower in this class. And I, like, if you'd asked me that question a year ago, I'd have been like, there's no way. There's no I hadn't seen it. I don't know. 
I don't know. But now he's put himself because, like, let's just look at the A&M game alone, right? Some of the throws he made right there in the corner of the end zone to three different receivers. Those are Sunday throws. And Flynn put it best. He's like, look, he's a pro playing on Saturdays right now, like mentally and like his processing. And that's what Joe Burrow was. He was a pro playing college football. It's what Jaden's been this year. So, yeah, I saw flashes at Arizona State. Certainly knew who he was, the Elite 11 stuff. I put it on the coaches. Go make Jaden Daniels be the best version that he possibly can be. And I thought last year was good. I thought he'd take steps this year. He sprinted this year. And I, look, hand up. I did not know that he could do what he just did, which was something like, honestly, we just we haven't seen it. Here's the crazy thing is I, I'm right there with you. I was saying the same thing. I, I was there for that opening game against Florida State. I'm like, this, this is the same guy that I think is good, not great. And yeah, obviously the interception that he throws early yeah. in the fourth quarter. You may you may have said KJ Jefferson was a better quarterback at one time or another. <sighs> may have said that an entire offseason. And I, I wrote by the by the way, shameless plug, <laughs> all the column on SaturdayDownSouth.com on Friday about that. Uh very well documented. I even had Devin Leary ahead of him at, at one point. So yeah, hey, way off. I, oh, by the way, uh I was the president of the Devin Leary fan club. Highly, highly disappointed. Um, I, I am not going to renew my license for that one. Yeah, no, I, I will not be either. Uh, <laughs> I don't have any stock left to sell, but if I did, no, I, it'd, no. be, it'd be gone, unfortunately. Yeah. But like the thing is, I, I came away from that first week thinking he's still kind of the same guy that, that I saw last year. And mm -hmm. some of the running decisions that you're just kind of like, yeah, you know what? I, I just don't know if he trusts it. And it's just not quite there. And, and, and to a certain extent, I kind of got why he didn't trust it because when you see Malik, Malik Neighbors fall on that play at the start of the fourth quarter and then FSU goes on that run, I'm thinking yeah. to myself, I wonder how much that's going to impact him the rest of the season. And hearing the postgame comments, how telling it yeah. was, Brian Kelly's like, this isn't, we're not the team that I thought we were. And everybody at the time was like, whoa, like that's kind of a crazy thing to say after an eight month offseason of hype. But all he did since then is get better. And he actually yeah. developed more trust in those guys. What's the thing that we don't talk about with, with Jaden enough? The, the thing that maybe he doesn't get enough credit for, because I know you talk about the deep ball and, and the, the awareness as a runner. But like the thing about him that has put him in this different stratosphere, a stratosphere that is well beyond what I thought he yeah. was going to be capable of. I think it's just trusting himself. And that might sound uh, you know simple. That might sound like, well, it can't just be that. But I think it is. And when I say that, like trusting what you see, trusting your progression, knowing that you've done enough study to be able to go through the progression and find the open receiver, and also trusting yourself that you're really good. Like you, you were an elite 11 quarterback for a reason. Like you were one of the highest ranked quarterbacks in your class for a reason. And when you look back at last season, like sometimes you felt like, does he know that? Does he trust in himself? Does he know he can make those plays? And so I think that it, it sounds simple again, but I think that's the biggest thing that he's done is realizing how good he can be, again, putting the work in because I didn't think he could get to that level. Because if you don't have it, all, uh, he played, what, four years of college football? And if you don't have nice. trust in yourself, yeah, I mean, like if you don't have it by now, like when are you ever going to have it? So there's no way I thought that he would take that next step, take that next leap and start to do those things. Like it was always there. But that doesn't mean that you're going to go out there and you're going to do it. And so to see him do that that deep into his career, I I personally think, again, it sounds small, but I think just trusting in his abilities and knowing who he was and also knowing that, look, LSU is always going to have dudes on the outside, right? And look, Arizona State had dudes early in his career, but that that kind of went away a little bit. So maybe you fall into a situation where like, man, where are those guys at? Is it me? 
Is it them? Am I not as good as I was? It's like, no, man, you had Sunday players on the outside and then that went away. And so probably some of those things that you trusted earlier in your career, you're trying to do it with other players and it's just not working out. And so what do you do? You start to doubt yourself. You start to say, well, maybe I'm not that guy. No, you're that guy. You just, you have those players now back on the edge. You're trusting those guys and their relationship's really good. I want to do a little exercise with you. Um, and I think you've probably done some sort of exercise. This isn't adoring. No, it's not. Look, CD, uh, <laughs> CD's always getting after it. That, that much we know, uh, constantly working out. Um, look, I, I don't think Jane's going to be remembered as in the same way as Joe Burrow, despite them both being part of the Heisman fraternity, just yeah. because I think when you win a national championship, I mean, you know, you're immortalized yeah. in just a different sort of way. But I do want to do a little name game with you. And these are the guys that I think he could be in the same breath as from a career standpoint. And it's these are questions, these are guys that I would have had no like no like time to think about yeah. whether or not Jaden Daniels is as good yeah. as them. But just in terms of we're talking about college players, right? We're, just, we're not talking about what they are in the NFL or any of yeah. that stuff. I'm not going to include Joe Burrow, Tim Tebow, Cam Newton. We're, I think those guys are in a different stratosphere by themselves. They are tier one, but, but these guys, so I'm just going to ask you, Jaden Daniels or this player. We talk about me- yeah, this singular season. Or are we talking totality of career here? How about just how they're going to be remembered as college players? Okay. Like, Fair. If you're doing yeah. when we do these rankings like 10 years from now and we're yeah, putting yeah, together yeah. like who's who's ahead. So all right, let's start with this one. Jaden Daniels or Tua Tungabaloa? Jaden Daniels. Jaden Daniels or Bryce Young. Mm. Look at the stats. Good Jaden Daniels. Jaden Jay- beat him head to head last year. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, speaking of head to head, Jaden Daniels or Hendon Hooker. Ooh, that now see that's a good one. Um, gosh, I would love to see that matchup. I think Jaden will get remembered more because Hendon Hooker didn't get the individual awards because he got hurt. Who knows where Tennessee goes if he doesn't get hurt? Do they win it? So because unfortunately Hendon Hooker's season got cut short, I'll go Jaden Daniels. Okay, this this one is some people might turn off the podcast from this one, but but you have to ask it just because of the the the, the company that he's in now. Jaden Daniels or Johnny Manziel? Hmm. Gosh, they're so comparable. They are so comparable on the ground, through the air. When you start talking about being remembered, though, although I think Jane Dan is going to be a much better pro, I really do. I think his skill set really matches up in the professional ranks, certainly where the game is. It's hard not to say Johnny Manziel. Yeah. I mean, Money Manziel, honestly, he might, I mean, he's top like three most popular ever. Like he, he might, it might, Gosh, I don't even know who I'd put in that category as far as popularity and being remembered. I mean, what he did and the movement that he had and, you know, the, the whole uh, everything, everything surrounding. I mean, the money sign that he did and the signing autographs and the whole deal. Uh, it, it'd be tough to find anybody that's more memorable than Johnny Manziel, recent memory. OK, um, this this one is Bill Connolly. I know we'll disagree with this one, but um, Jaden Daniels or Baker Mayfield. Hmm. Gosh, they're going to be the same guy, too. They're going to win Heisman Trophy winners, guys that transferred, guys that had incredible stats, guys that are going to be drafted in the first round of the NFL draft. This might be the toughest one you've thrown to me. That's tough because he had three years Gosh. of being at yeah. the, of being like a top five quarterback, yeah. so that might tip the scales for him. Yeah. And the fact that he's number one overall pick, that yeah. might change. Like It's tough to, to, to totally separate that stuff, but the fact that it's even a question, I, I mean, know. it's just crazy to think about. No. 
All right, uh, a few more for you. Jaden Daniels or Jameis Winston? I think Jaden, even though Jameis won the natty, even though he won the natty, I mean, gosh. I don't think I just think Connor, it's a different time in quarterback. Like yeah. Jameis played for Jimbo. I love Jimbo, but I know what Jimbo's offense is, right? It, it's never going to be the stats. And so, like when we have the conversations five years down the road, it's going to be the list of total yardage or whatever it might be, total touchdowns. It's not going to have Jameis on there. It's going to have Jaden Daniels on there. And that's why, like, I was so hesitant with Baker. Yep. Like Baker was great and Baker had so many big moments, but like five years down the road when we put the stats up there like i don't know that his name's going to be attached to any of the list that we put out there so like it it might be Jaden. and Jaden's also got the west coast and the south which and so you know i mean he, he grew up an elite 11 quarterback out there out west did some things at arizona so yeah so far like the only one i feel confident in is money manzel maybe okay Jaden daniels or rg3 i think rg3 Probably RG3. RG3's got actually, it's funny enough. I just talked to RG3 like 20 minutes ago. Um, he's got the quick, the RG3. Like you, you say RG3, everybody in college football knows exactly who you're talking about. Um, when he did it, it was almost like, man, have we seen this before? I'm not yeah. sure that we have, right? So, so he was doing things and, and Baylor was just, it's called like it is, it was such a bad program. And, and then all of a sudden, like he gets there and they're like really relevant and he goes on that run. He's doing big things now, like post-playing career, obviously, in broadcasting. So anytime you can throw out just quickly RG3 and everybody knows who you're talking about, it's going to be hard to top that one. Jaden Daniels or Deshaun Watson? Oh, Jaden Daniels. Unfairly, unfairly, Deshaun Watson, because Trevor came right after him. True. Like it feels like, and I know there's a bridge quarterback in between there. Kelly Bryant, yeah. Yeah, shout out Kelly Bryant. Ended up at Mizzou. Shout out Como. M-I-Z for you drink if you're listening. Um, but he came so soon after that. It felt like, and and I hate that because like, you know, you had this great college career, but then here comes another guy who's maybe even more popular, generational, blah, 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 whatever you want to say. And then like you kind of forget about how great he was as a player. So I think let's blame Trevor. It's Trevor's, Trevor's fault. Okay. Uh, you're not the first person to say, let's just blame Trevor. <laughs> I like that. All right. Uh, last one, Jay Daniels or Lamar Jackson. Gosh, another great one. Very similar players. Again, I, I think when, when Lamar did what he did, we had never really seen some of those things. And I think when you're the first to do it, you're always going to be remembered. And then he's parlayed into a hell of an NFL career. Yeah. So, like, depending on what Jaden does, maybe, maybe, because I think he can do some very similar things. I mean, gosh, they remind me of each other so much. I mean, they don't get the credit they deserve with what they can do throwing the football, certainly on deep throws. So I'll go Lamar with a chance maybe for Jaden to make up some ground. So, yeah, Money Manziel, Lamar. Did I have another one? Uh, who do we have? You said Deshaun Watson, definitively better than. No, no, that's definitely definitely not what I said there. No, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. So, I mean, RG3, that was the other one, RG3. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but what he's done, Connor, he's put himself into that territory. Like, he really has. Like, through the air, on the ground, plays of 20-plus yards, he's got over 90. Quarterback rating is the highest we've ever seen, ever, ever. ever. Yeah. Like, that's you don't get a quarterback rating for what you do on the ground. Like, you get it for what you do with your arm. And so, like, the fact that he is eight point whatever four yards it is per carry, leading rusher in the country in that stat, okay, nobody does it at a higher clip, and you're talking about having the best quarterback rating ever, 
Like it's going to be hard to argue because you're just not going to see people do that. Like, and the people that I put above him that are going to be remembered in a different place, it's because like they did something really for the first time. And they did a lot of similar things that, that Jaden has done and they did it first. And that's why you're going to remember those names. But I hope, look, I hope, I hope in five years that people remember the special year that Jaden Daniels had and also that LSU just had a really bad defense. Otherwise, they would be right there in the conversation. They might still be playing for a trophy because that offense, right, and what they did, that's going to win you almost every single game you play in. And I don't want to be – I don't want to go across the schedule like they would have won this game, they would have won that game, but there would have been opportunities if they could just stop anybody – Right. I mean, even the last game, I'm like, are they going to let this third string quarterback from Texas A&M continue to drive right down the field? And it kind of took Jaden doing Jaden things for them to put it away. If if LSU doesn't have Jaden Daniels this year, I, I don't know. I don't know what the record is. It's I mean, 2020. You still got, it's you 2020. Got, you got, yeah, yeah it, it might be. You got dudes still, but you don't have the dude. And so, no, I mean, what he's done this year, it's been remarkable. And I, I would have loved to seen them have even – a defense that ranked 60th in the country. I think they're a one-loss team, but they're 97th or whatever it is in the country, and that's just not going to get it done at a championship level. It's going to win you games. It's going to win you a lot of games. And, look, they're going for their 10th win. I think they'll get it against Wisconsin. It's not going to win you a trophy. They could have just flirted with mediocrity on defense. That that would have been that would have been it, man. It would have been it. Uh, last, last one for you on a non-Jaden Daniels note. Have you already fallen in love with Kentucky um, with the Brock Vandegrift news? Should I just pencil you in as having Kentucky as second in the East and, and frisky potential top 15 finish? <laughs> All right. So right here live, I'm going to go to my text messages. Okay. So we've got a group chat pre-gaming the SEC, a podcast that Doring and I do together. Okay. Doring sends the news article, Brock Vandegrift, former five-star quarterback, transfers from Georgia to Kentucky. He follows it with, love this, exclamation mark, new text. I'm back on Kentucky, exclamation mark. Cats, exclamation mark. Our producer puts the eye emojis. I'm wild about the cats, exclamation mark. And so I said, look, it's like the lover that you can never let go of, CD. You are true to the Kentucky Wildcats. I've been the same guy. I don't know. I don't know, though. I don't know because he's right back in. He's jonesing. I'm hurt. They've hurt me. That was my boldest prediction that they would finish second in the SEC East. They let me down. Now, they they brought me back to life a little bit when Stoops is, is staying at Kentucky. I love him there. They beat Louisville. They're going to have to um, they're gonna do some work. We're going to have to go to some therapy this offseason for me to fall back in love like I was with Kentucky because, look, I, I've, got, I've got a new boo. I've got a new boo in Mizzou. Okay, so we, we got a lot of issues going on right now. A lot of issues, more issues in Vogue going on with all, all this SEC East and these coaches that I really love and respect. A lot of things going on here, Connor. Kentucky, Cody Schrader, sixth kid. Like they're, I know. They're, they're vying for that spot, man. When, when Marlard retweet, uh, he reposted that video of like your bullest SEC take, like preseason, he got all of yeah. us on it. Like basically all of us got just awful cold take. I should yeah. have said my my mind was LSU going nine and three instead of being like, yeah, I think you South said Carolina that. From the very beginning, I will give you a lot of credit. I mean, you you kind of had LSU tabbed out, outside of you loving KJ Jefferson. I mean, that's the thing that I remember the most about your offseason predictions. And you said it. I mean, they had they've won games. They've won some good games. They they've played really well. But 
you had it tabbed pretty uh, pretty much better than anybody I saw. About it though, that's about it, man. That's tough. That's Look, true. all you got to do is get one. That's all you got to do. You know what? That's true. That's true. You get one. He... Like my like mine on off campus. Like I was on 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 UW. I was on Washington. So now I'm just like Same. you know, championing around. Like yeah. Right here, I had it. Let's hey, let's forget about what I said about those other teams. Let's not even bring that up. Like that's that's not important because last year, like my team was NC State. That was like my my underdog, and they're going to find a way. They might be a playoff team, and they let me down. Devin Devin, Devin Leary. Leary, yeah, again, God, Devin, what are we doing here? Jeez, unbelievable. Yeah, I did the same. Like Washington's my only playoff pick that I got right. I was like, hey, I was on Washington. I was <laughs> never mind the fact that I got everything else wrong, but Washington, man, like that's just. I get everything right, of course. Obviously, I think Pastor. I had Michigan. I had Michigan and Washington, but you know that that was that's about where the train stopped right there. Yeah, no, you're not alone. It's it's tough in this business, Hester. You are uh, the absolute best, man. Appreciate it, and uh, yeah, enjoy yourself. Safe travels on uh, on Sunday going to New York. That's going to be awesome, man. No, on I Saturday. cannot wait for it. So, yeah. yeah, cannot wait for it. Uh, unfortunately, I won't get a chance to see the actual Army Navy game because I got to hop on a train to go to New York City for the Heisman ceremony. But last year, it was the greatest experience I've ever had. Real quick, before we get out, if it's on your bucket list, Army, Navy, and it doesn't matter to the city, Philly, Boston, New York, whatever, go do it. You will not be disappointed. Everybody told me how great it was. I grew up in the SEC, watching SEC games. We have so many great stadiums, loudest stadiums. Nothing beats the SEC, but that lives up to every single expectation that you've ever heard about it. I need to get there. Need yeah. to need to just find a reason to be able to get up there at, at some point. You're absolutely right, man. Appreciate it. We'll do it again soon. Anytime. Lad of the week. I've got a little story. Got a little story for you, Will. So when I was leaving Atlanta on Sunday, I had an early flight out. I think I was at the airport. I don't know, like going through security. It's like seven in the morning, something like that. And go through security and I get the pat down treatment. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I don't know why I'm getting the pat down treatment. Maybe it's my Muggsy jeans. Shout out Muggsy jeans. Um, I, for whatever reason, though, haven't gotten the pat down treatment in a long time. They're like going really in there. I mean, they're, they're getting intimate. And they, you know, they give you the little warning ahead of time. Like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to be touching some areas, which all right, whatever. I got nothing to hide. We're good. Yeah. I see a guy probably like 10 feet away from me who is kind of at the same point that I was at in the security line. And I like, we're just getting beyond that where we're recovering our stuff. And this guy's giving me a look and he's like kind of chuckling to himself. He, I can tell he's laughing at the situation. He's not like making fun of me. He's like laughing at the situation that I'm getting this sort of treatment, whatever. And so I'm looking at the guy and I catch him from an angle. I think I know that guy. I go up to him and he has, he like says to me before I say anything, like, I can't believe they were doing that to you, man. I'm like, yeah, no, whatever. I'm like, are you Brian McCann? (laughs) (laughs) And don't you know what it was? And I talked to Brian McCann for about 10 minutes and was a really great dude. Longtime Braves catcher for those who don't follow baseball or whatever. A lot of people listening to this, I'm sure Braves fans as well, but I recognize Brian McCann because I love that guy. I was a high school catcher who hit from the left side of the plate. And I had always looked up to him and was like, this guy seems pretty awesome. And talked with him for about 10 minutes about David Ross, who's one of his good friends, like kind of the raw deal that he got from the Cubs. Talked about watching the Iron Bowl with his wife, who's like a big, she's an Auburn grad as well. And they were talking about, you know, what a great win this is for the program, blah, blah. And then fourth and 31 happens. Uh, Talked about like, 
you know, the current problems with Major League Baseball and the way that like some of these guys are being evaluated. Like we had so, okay, this is your dream re- conversation. We're hitting right? all the yeah. It was great. And I was like, oh, Brian McCann's like a really good dude. And my brother's like, I told my brother about it afterwards. He's like, how in the world did you recognize Brian McCann of all former professional athletes? He's not the, I mean, like he's a big, he's a bigger guy. Like he definitely is, but he looks pretty much the same as, as he did when he was playing, which wasn't that long ago. I think he stopped playing like what, five, six years ago, something like that. Yeah. Played till he's 35, which good Lord, I'm 33 and I can't imagine catching a major league game. That's insane to me. Um, Man, but, I just did the yeah. He was on the Astros. That was not like, yeah. That was six years ago. I know. Yeah, time's a flat <laughs> circle. But it was a great conversation. I was like, oh, just like Brian McCann. Just meet him at the airport. You never know who you're going to meet at the airport. I think as my sister in law brought up, if there's ever a game show for recognizing random athletes, like random athletes in the wild, I'm your guy. I I am your guy. We were at brunch a couple years ago and. Uh, like, you know, it's and I only made that connection, by the way, because we were in Atlanta and, and I, I put two and two together. There's a good chance he's got property here. He was going to West Palm for, for a bit of time. And don't you know it? The connection was made in my head. But there's like a couple of years ago where uh, we were we were at brunch in uh, in Winter Park and I was walking the other way. And I look across the street. I'm like. 98 percent sure that's the McCourty twins. Send him a tweet. You guys in Winter Park just now. Yep, that was us. Heck yeah, Don't you know man. it? I mean, twins are a little bit easier to recognize. I don't want to pat myself too much in the back. Blake Bortles a couple years ago at the airport did not say any. I, I wanted to. If you've ever seen Good Place, you've seen Jason, diehard Jack Wires yeah. fan. If you watch that show, I wanted to just yell out, Bortles! Didn't do it. Should have at the time. Um, but the great thing about the McCann interaction was that we talk about having that line for a celebrity, right? About like having that one thing to be able to say to them, what are you going to say in that moment? The situation was already built in. He was the one that was looking at me mm. getting this, getting cavity searched in the, in the airport. Getting my, you know, what's violated. Um, and, and so like he had the icebreaker to me and then I made the connection like, are you Brian McCann? And it was just one of those random things. Life is funny. He's one of those guys. It'd be like, well, him, Chipper Jones and like maybe like Maddox. It's like I feel like he has the ability to just put up his hand and be like, "Cease, leave this man alone in my airport." And they're like, "Yes, sir." <laughs> I met all three of those guys actually. As weird as that's, yeah, I met. I met okay, so I met Chipper at the SEC Championship 2019. You might have been there for that. Mm-hmm. You might have beforehand yeah. at uh, tailgate that Chipper was at. Um, didn't have like a crazy interaction with him or anything. And then when I was when I was a kid, and I, I think I've told this story in the pod before, when I was 13, I got to be Bat Boy for the Cubs for a day. And hmm. I met I met Greg Maddox, who wow. let's just say um the biggest takeaway from meeting Greg Maddox was his gas. 100 percent That that's not me saying like, oh, dude throws heaters. No, he throws 85 on the black. Um, no, like his literal gas that day that everybody just very well aware of in that locker room. Um, interesting, <laughs> interesting only impression to have of Greg Maddox. So, yes, I've met all three of those guys. Um, yeah. Dude, so, and uh, Andrew Jones. Andrew Jones at the SEC Championship five years. Yes, that's right. Four years ago, 2019, in Candler Suite, Andrew Jones was in there. So, for whatever reason, whenever I go to the SEC Championship, I'm meeting Braves. That's just what I do. You're like the most. <laughs> 
most Apex Cubs fan too? Because I'm sure not a word of trash was talked. I'm sure you're just like nah. real big fan of your game, Chipper. Like, these people are delightful. I would love to be part of these people. Dude, I told Andrew Jones that he should be in the Hall of Fame, and it's a joke that he's not. Yeah, we, we, only good, only good interactions. The Maddox farty thing was weird though. But I was in eighth grade. What was I going to say? It was funny, probably at that point. Oh, um, anyway, probably we'll do a more uh, somber one. I mean, gosh, there were a ton from the last week. I mean, we could talk just a couple of you know shout outs for that other week. First, Steve Sarkeesian, the comeback that guy yeah. had. Um, I, you know, I think that's super cool. We talked about uh, Derek Hill, but the fact that he wasn't on the Coach of the Year uh, watch list is kind of crazy. I'll throw him one. Um, I think that you could go. I mean. Michael Penix, we talked about him a little bit, but again, just being doubted over it for no reason to me. I just, I guess they've never gotten it. I don't know. Maybe he'll fail one day and I'll just, like I said, the injury stuff I get, didn't even know that, appreciate the context. Maybe one day he'll be trash somewhere, but I've only seen this dude be awesome. And yeah, it's another guy, but um, that way I'm going to go here. We'll get a little bit closer to it. Norvell, the job he's done over there, but last mm-hmm. week for, to me for sure, Jordan Travis. Um, yeah. I could not imagine the pain and that uh, young man. And I say that he's around my age at this point. But when he had that tweet, man, that was the most emotional I've gotten over college football probably since 2019. Like the fact that he said devastated, heartbroken and so much disbelief. I wish my leg broke earlier in the season. So y'all could see how this team is so much more than just the quarterback. I thought results matter. 13-0 in this roster matches up across any team in those top four rankings. I'm so sorry. Go Noles. Like. That is just a dude that put his whole body, his whole life, his whole essence, his whole line, his whole life on the line and has objectively just a kind of an uncertain future now. And it sucks. And I think that at the end of the day, he's a guy that, you know, did everything that you could possibly ask. You know, he's a guy that had to beat out Mackenzie Milton. Uh, They're talking about him again uh, in that, you know, game against Brian Kelly back in the day. Yeah. You know, and I'll be honest, like I was, JC had a post like this, uh, John Chris, where it's like, I was rooting for Milton. I thought Milton was going to be the guy. I, I was like, who is this Jordan Travis kid? Like, what's he doing? You know, he was not very good at Louisville. He transfers over and he just gets better and works and leads and like takes this Florida State team that was just a shell of itself. Like, you know, even the last couple of Jimbo years, and it just starts falling down with Taggart and all this different stuff. And they felt like a team that was just, oh, you're in the ACC. You, you know, you're under Clemson's foot. You can't get out. You're not an SEC team like Florida. You don't have South Beach and the donors like Miami. Like, what are you going to do? And it's like this dude just came up. There's more. You know, there's Coleman. Verse, the O-line's been awesome, all that, Norvell. But the dude who has personified, like, I, I just spent the other day reading lots of FSU tweets because it's real. I'm not going to make fun of these people. I mean, I don't have a reason to hate them. Like I said, my sister went there. My, my nephew's a really big fan. And I, I'm, I'm always going to feel – Unless you're a fan base that legitimately is like terrorized me or I wish ill on you because of whatever, I, there's very few fan bases I would not feel sorry for in their spot. But I mean, them specifically, the amount that they've been through. But just like I said, this guy did everything right. His team did everything right. And that's, you know, I was like, throw a little lesson in here. It's like sometimes that's just not enough. And it sucks. We want to live in a, in a movie world where if we just give our all, if we just do our best, it's enough. And this dude did his best and his best and it was so good and when he played obviously he was i mean i think he was probably on track to you know maybe get Eisman invite at that point the bonix propaganda kind of picked mm-hmm. up but again what hadn't jordan travis done that either of those guys had done so i don't know i i just i hope so much for this guy's future everything you hear out of him is about who's this leader i was this great guy and on one hand, I hope that Norvell is able to keep that going because I think Florida State is one of the few that I will say I think college football is a little bit better when they're not great, but like not sorry. Because that big three rivalry in Florida is funny to me. 
Like, I want all those teams to be between 8 and 10 wins. If we could all just be about 8 and 10 wins, no undefeated whooping LSU, but, like, not sorry to where I'm like, I'm just feeling bad for your fans. But, yeah, I, I, I just think that that as much as, you know, Jameis won the Heisman, the national championship and all that, that is a guy who has just been MVP level for that program and in a time where it's been super hard, you know, Deion Steele and Travis Hunter and all that. So, yeah, that's that's it. Just my heart goes out to the guy. A lot of these are positive, but this one is just – to me, you did enough, man. To me, you did you did more than enough. And it sucks that it ended this way. It sucks that you can't watch your teammates play for a championship. But I hope you make a ton of money in the NFL. And I hope your future is brighter than your present. Because you deserve it. When they showed him in the selection show, putting that towel just over his mouth. Jeez. You're like, that sucks, man. That just absolutely sucks. Because, and then he, like, to, to, to see him say, I wish I'd broken my leg sooner so you can see you know what this team was all about, man. I, I hated that. I, I was saying early on after the LSU game that I, I think Jordan Travis might be my favorite player to watch in college football. Like he, yep. and you know, he, he he's not going to be remembered, you know, as like an all time great for the stats and stuff like that. But, but like diehard fans of college football will know the impact and they'll, they'll probably have the joke moving forward. Like Jordan Travis was the best player in 2023. Go ask the selection committee. We thought that that guy should have basically won the Heisman Trophy for his impact. Uh, I wish there was a way he could actually be in New York for the Heisman ceremony, but was one of those guys, like, I'm going to be honest, like, I can't, I can't share my ballot yet, but one of those guys that, like, I've been thinking about for a long time. And, mm, man, I, I, I just wish that he could have had a different ending uh, for those guys. You know, it's, you know, a guy has earned respect when even an opposing fan base is like, yeah, that guy's awesome. I think even Florida fans are like, yeah, Jordan Travis is awesome. Like he, yeah. they wish they could have a version of Jordan Travis, that, that guy that just like comes in and does everything right for you and gets your program back on track. I mean, we need to appreciate those guys in college football. Cause it's, it's like in the NFL, if you do that, all right, you're the franchise starter for 10, 15 years. You know, and it's an yep. entirely different story as opposed to these guys who are like, oh, two, three years. And then you get the program back up and running the way that it's supposed to. And probably someone's going to come in better after you at some point. Like, no, we need to we need to recognize and appreciate the Jordan Travis's of the world, regardless of what happens in the NFL future. And I'll say this, too. I mean, obviously, he was 2-0 against LSU. I watched both games in person. But he's the only quarterback that outplayed Jaden Daniels in a game this year. I think. I mean, even in the losses, I don't think Miller outplayed Daniels. I don't think, you know, I don't think Jackson Dart outplayed Daniels. I think LSU had a bad defense. In that game, we went into that game saying, I hope Jaden Daniels turns into Jordan Travis. Because <laughs> of how he played and how he seemed like just a better quarterback for a week. And and, I, and people were calling for Jaden to get benched after that game because how badly he got played by Travis. So, yeah, I got nothing but respect for the guy. I don't, I don't know what causes people to not credit him, but I'm, I'm a, like I said, him and Penix are just two guys I've always been on because you watch him play and you're like, yep, I, I get it. This guy's a yep. baller. Definitely. Definitely. Um, Florida State, Georgia, bowl game. Uh, TBD on whether or not that happens. I don't think, we've never seen a New Year's Six game get canceled, but uh, yeah, um, doesn't seem like those, those coaches are exactly thrilled to be in the spots that they're in. But speaking of the bowls, we are going to be doing something special, something we've never done before in the history of Saturday Down South. We are going to be doing something called betting the bulls. Marler, myself, our XL media gambling expert, Bob Wankel, we are going to have four episodes, I think is the plan, and they are going to be bonus episodes that will come out once a week during the bowl season. I believe the first one will come out later next week, and it's going to be a lot of gambling advice. 
that's that's going to be the majority of the content. If you're somebody that does confidence pools, if you're in a place where gambling just became legal and you're like, I would love to be able to have something, just some sort of interest in watching Tuesday night, you know, whatever this game is and, and feeling like, oh, I, I have an idea. I have something invested in this. This is this is going to be great content for that. Um, the plan is to have this coming out later next week is going to be the first one. And the plan is to have the non-New Year Six Power Five Bowls that we're going to talk about in that game. So you're not, you don't have to subscribe to anything new or anything like that. We're still going to have all of our normal episodes. We're still going to be talking in depth about the SEC Bowl games on this show. And what we're going to be doing isn't going to change from that regard. So I'm not asking you to do anything different. You're just going to see something new if you're already subscribed to this podcast, which you should be. If you're already subscribed to this podcast, you're just going to see additional episodes. And I know this time of year, that's great to be able to have maybe long holiday drives, you know, flights, whatever, whatever the case may be. So hopefully... That is going to be something that you guys are down with and you guys are like, hey, this is awesome. This is it's great to have this to be able to supplement your content. It is bonus content. And we are also the plan is to be able to have these up on our Saturday Down South YouTube channel as well. So give us a like for those subscribe to this if you haven't already done that. Um, but yeah, something fun that we're going to be doing a lot of work. I got to I got to get rolling on to be able to, to handle that. But it's going to be a lot of fun. Connor. You gotta, you gotta stick with your guns because lock of the week has finished hot. Okay, so early we struggled, Ooh. but you pulled it out. So just remember, get you some quarterbacks with fun names. <laughs> Dump on some Big Ten teams. Okay, don't don't let the spotlights hit you when you're at the gambling guys. You you've been crushing it this year. <laughs> if anyone says a bad word about Noah Fafita, so so help me God, I will burn this thing to the ground. All right. It's over with. Yeah. It's over with. You don't have you know the lock of the week success. Uh, so yes, be on the lookout for that. If you have not, leave us a five star review. Subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can watch every episode of the Saturday Down South podcast, which is presented by Texas Beat. Follow us on the app, formerly known as Twitter. On uh, yeah, X that we're calling it. Yeah, we're still doing that at the SCS Pod at Set Down South at CGO Guerra at Go So Hard. Thanks, guys. Talk soon. <laughs>